Hello, you are listening to Omnitalk's Retail Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with the AM Consumer and Retail Group, Firework, SPS Commerce, and Sezzle. Ranked in the top 10% of all podcasts globally, the Retail Fast Five is the podcast that we hope makes you feel a little smarter, but most importantly, a little happier each week, too. Today is July 20th, 2023. I'm your host, Ann Mazenga. And I'm Chris Walton. And we are here once again to discuss the most important headlines from the past week that highlight how the physical, digital, and human elements of retail are coming together to shape the future. And Chris, joining us us today, back for their regularly scheduled monthly appearance, are two of our friends from the A&M Consumer and Retail Group, Abhinav Chandra and Manola Solar. Abhinav, this is is what, your second or third time being on the show? Third time. At least third three. Time. Yeah, I was going to say time three. Is the third time's the charm. Um, and Manola, this is your very first time. So welcome to the Retail Fast Five. Thank you. Very excited to be here. Yeah, um, Manola, did these guys give you any advice? Did the yeah. crew give you any advice in terms of how to prepare for the show? Or, you know, or do they just leave you hanging out to dry? Like, like tell us about that. You know, uh, I've been watching... Uh, following pretty closely as they've kind of gone through. So, uh, you know, I'll try my best to uh, live up to the, uh, the the good work others have done. But um, yeah, some emails may have been exchanged. <laughs> hours and hours of prep too, I'm sure. It went into 100%. 100% hours and hours, days of prep. <laughs> days, <into it>. yes. <laughs> well, uh, Manola, why don't you share a little bit with the audience about your background since this is your first time? Yeah, happy to. Um, so my name is Manola Solar. I'm a senior director with the CRG practice um, at AM. And my background has been uh, mostly within the prestige beauty space, uh, as well as apparel. Uh, I have both uh, industry and, and consulting uh, experience on the apparel side. And, you know, I've kind of run the gamut from my early career I started out more, more in the creative design side of the business. And then I've, you know, kind of pivoted over into uh, more of the, the business side of things. Um, I tend to do a lot of uh, work that's kind of growth focused and consumer centric. So, uh, you know, this is right up my alley and really excited to uh, to be here. Fun. We're so excited to have you. We've got some good stories for you today. Uh, Abhinav, for those who may not have caught your first or second appearance on the show, tell the audience a little bit about your background. Uh, yeah, thank you, Anne. Uh, my name is Abhinav. I'm a managing director in AM's Consumer and Retail Group. I've been in the retail world, what, 15, 16 years now. Started off in this world at McKinsey & Company as a consultant. Um, after that, I was at Amazon. I ran their women's clothing business, and then I was head of customer experience. Um, and now I'm at AM and looking forward to the show and discussion today. Excellent. We are so excited to have you both. Chris, are you ready to kick it off? Are you feeling like good to go? We've got two experts that are going to be joining us. And, and I'm uh, so ready for this. I'm so ready for this. And the topics are quite fun today. So it's great to have the AM folks on with us. It's always, I say this every time, it's always my favorite show of the month because we just sit back, listen to their insights, let them do their thing. Uh, and I'm ready to go, Ann. But, but before we get to the headlines, Ann, yes. we've got some exciting news for our retailer and brand folks out there. Grocery Shop is offering complimentary tickets and a crazy good reimbursement for those who qualify through their exclusive retailers and brands program. But hurry, this offer expires at the end of the month, so don't miss out. And to our tech listeners, don't you worry, they have something special for you too. 
You can purchase guaranteed meetings with retailers and brands. And let me tell you, these slots are flying off the shelves. They're expected to sell out by the end of the month as well. And one last and very important thing that I want to mention. Anne, are you ready for this one? Yes. Are you announcing the the musical guest? I am not announcing the musical guest. Oh! That's coming later, I'm sure. But today, today, possibly even bigger, Anne, if you're you're really a big retail geek like I am, today, Grocery Shop announced their latest keynote speaker edition, and it is none other than Stephen Williams, the remarkable CEO of PepsiCo Foods North America. He's Mm. the driving force behind PepsiCo's staggering $26 billion foods business in North America. So needless to say, dude is kind of a pretty big deal. So there's lots of great things happening over there at Grocery Shop, and we are loving it. So remember, if you want to learn more, head over to GrocerShop.com slash OmniTalk. That's GrocerShop.com slash OmniTalk. All right. In today's Fast Five headlines, we've got news on Schnooks doing smart carts with Instacart, H&M saying it plans to sell more third-party products, Signet Jewelers getting into resale, Target allowing its store employees to wear shorts. Oh, my God. Is that going to be a fun one? But we begin today with a read of the economic tea leaves. And would you start us off? Oh, yes. All right. Headline number one, NRF said this week that it expects back to school to reach unparalleled highs, Chris. Unparalleled. Yeah, that's a quote, right? Unparalleled. Correct quote. Yes. Uh, number one for hyperbole, NRF, according to Chain Storage, back to school spending is expected to reach $41.5 billion, up from $36.9 billion last year and the previous high of $37.1 billion back in 2021. The increase is expected to be driven by more demand for electronics, as 69% of back-to-school shoppers say they expect to buy electronics or other computer-related accessories this year, up from 65% last year and the highest in the survey's history ever. This news also comes after recent reports of good news on inflation and overall consumer sentiment. Uh, Abhinav, I'm I'm curious. I've got to go to you. Are you bullish on the sentiment from NRF, or do you think we should be looking at back to school a little bit more cautiously? How are you advising your clients to kind of approach the next few months? Um, A little bit more cautiously. Really? Uh, Okay, interesting. I think the trend that they are talking about, yeah. that it is going to be higher than last year, I think that is correct. Okay. Uh, I am not sure of the magnitude, um, or I'm a little bit more cautious on the magnitude. Here here, here are some puts and takes that the way I think about this. Um, I heard in multiple stories and read on multiple stories that the enrollment in colleges is not back to pre-pandemic levels, and it is increasing. So... Um, another data point I have is my in my own home. I have two young kids who go to summer camp, and this year they are going in person. And the camp that they are going to is a UC Berkeley camp. Um, and they were saying pre-pandemic they had 900 kids in the camp. Uh, last year they had 600. This year they have 700. Okay. So again, I think the number of people who are going to be shopping for back to school, back to college, I think is going to be higher than last year. That I totally understand. Um, inflation is also there. So that should increase the 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 amount of sales that people have. However, people are trading down. Uh, that's okay. a trend that I totally see. Uh, trading down and focusing more on essentials. So that's one part of the story. The second part of the story, I'm a little bit surprised um, about the focus on computers. Uh, 
um, and electronics. Because in the pandemic, in 2020 and 2021, right, when people right. were home, they bought a lot of electronics. Right. Uh, and to go into a two-year cycle and replace all of that, that seems a little bit too much. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, that's why I have a little bit more caution. I think it'll be higher. Right. Uh, but higher by 9 or 10% compared to last year? Uh, I'm not so sure. So slow burn going back. It's not going to be this like rapid increase stay cautious and a little bit reserved and be mindful of those consumers who are trading down, who are making some more economically focused investments. Um, Manola, any, anything you'd throw in or add there that you you're hearing or that you're, you've been talking to your clients about? Yeah. I mean, I, I tend to agree, right. I'm I'm not super um, bullish and I, I would expect some, some growth, but I think a chunk of it is inflation driven and, you know, to just okay. build on what Avina was saying. Um, the, the shift in mix is going to be, you know, still still there and, and is an interesting one. And yeah, the people going uh, more value, more uh, who's going to win, I think, from from this growth is going to be an interesting outcome. And I don't think it's going to be it's not going to be equal across the board. OK, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, in, so interesting. So you guys think like there could be some growth, but it's not going to be like gangbusters for everyone. That's your point there, Manola. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be two different stories uh, as we kind of look back on it. Chris, throw your thoughts in. What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I uh, it's hard to know. I mean, I I I think the smart play is to think about it like Abhinav and Manola are, you know, because and we had a great conversation about this earlier this week. We had Placer mm-hmm. AI on our Ask an Expert series on LinkedIn, Ethan Chernovsky, and he was talking about how traffic patterns appear to be improving in June, in addition to the reports we're getting on inflation and consumer sentiment. So all things are pointing toward it being a good back to school season. And that was pretty broad, those traffic patterns. But then someone on on the uh, webinar asked a good question. She's like, well, but, you know, June's also a pretty big, big markdown month in retail mm-hmm. overall. What impact did that have on the traffic numbers, the lower prices that as retailers are clearancing through their inventory? Shout out to her, Christy Weller, former colleague at The Gap, for asking that question, too, because that, that stumped all of us. We're like, OK, yeah, maybe that's a factor. So I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Put the gun to my head, though. I think it's going to be a good season. I think mm-hmm. the big players like Walmart, given what they announced last week, like we talked about on the show, they're going to win the season. They're going to do well. But I I would be I, I'm kind of in the Noah's camp. Like, I don't think everyone's going to win here. Yeah, I think you guys are bringing up really good questions. And I was thinking the same kind of thing. Like, where will the growth be? Is it going to be the big box and off price? Or I mean, when we talk to Ethan, you know, players like Lululemon still showing like really strong, strong results. But is that going to be a place where we where, you know, back to school is still heavy? Or is it more on the off price sector? Are people going into, you know, get their 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 apparel products, for example, are they going to Amazon? Are they going to Target? Are they going to Walmart for back to school versus, you know, some of those other investments? I think that'll be kind of fun to see. And I want, I want to see where resale comes into play here. Like, I'm curious where that, you know, where that spend comes in too. And if we're seeing a move like Abhinav's talking about, you know, trading down or going to like some of these other marketplaces to stock up for back to school, or if we're seeing strong in the, you know, the first time buy, uh, especially in the apparel sector. So we will see. All right. Yeah. Back to school, heavily dominated by school supplies, electronics, and apparel. Those are the three big categories. All right. Headline number two, Schnooks and Instacart are doing smart carts together. 
According to an Instacart press release just yesterday, the two companies announced their plans to deploy Instacart's CaperCart. Loyal Fast Five fans will know that CaperCarts automatically identify items as they are added to a cart using computer vision and artificial intelligence, which for short is AI, which allows customers to bag as they shop, skip the line, and seamlessly check out on the cart from anywhere in the store. The CaperCarts will first roll out at select Schnucks St. Louis stores this fall. That was three S's, no, four S's in a row for those keeping track. And there's a broader rollout plan later this year following successful initial deployments. Manola, question for you is, why would Schnucks throw Instacart a lifeline like this? What could they possibly be thinking here? I mean, that's a that's a great question, to be, to be very <laughs> honest with you. Um, you know, I think they they have a, a focus on kind of staying on the on the forefront and kind of experimenting and really you know honing on and creating that uh, increase or improved uh, consumer experience. You know, for me, question mark on whether this is gonna gonna hit the mark. Um, you know, it, it seems like a, like a lot of work for for not so much uh, payoff from a from where I'm uh, standing. Right, relatively high investment. Uh, you know in theory could address shrinkage concerns, but can also see people not putting stuff in the cart. What happens, you know, then? Um, and I, I've seen kind of, you know, granted earlier, uh, not as smart uh, versions of, of these types of systems try to get rolled out and it's, it ends up being clunky, right? It, it puts a lot of work on on consumers to kind of do the process. And there's probably lower cost alternatives that are already pretty, you know, well established out there, you know, self-checkout, um, you know, with the right parameters to to avoid a shrink, um, you know, seems to get the job done. So, you know, I, I think it's worth experimenting and, and refining, but I don't think it's something that's going to be, you know, brought, it's not there yet. Right. So, but. Got it. So you're kind of, you're kind of in the camp of like, this is kind of like, they're just dipping their toe in the waters to see like what they've got here is is there something here how hard is it for the consumer to adopt these new processes around smart cart shopping that's that's essentially your take yeah i see this as a as a test and and learn and i'm sure you know some learnings will come but this i it's not something that i that i think is going to be widely um adopted uh i don't know that that's their their plan but if I had to guess, looking outside in, I, I think it's just a test, and you know, what can we learn? What are some um, some takeaways from there? But yeah, which is important too. Abhinav, what do you think? Okay, I'm going to put my cynical hat on here. Yeah, uh, okay. I love your cynical hat. It's your best yeah. hat that you wear. Yeah, I think exactly. it fits you the best and generally. I, uh, so cynical hat. Uh, in this day and age, uh, everyone has to do something in technology. <laughs> Even if they don't need to, uh, they have they want to or they have to. So Schnucks is trying something, which is great, fine. Uh, so that's my cynical hat. And I don't know if you have you guys seen the caper card? Yes, yes, we have. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to draw a parallel, which which may or may not <laughs> be true, but it reminded me of Peloton. Okay. Uh, so here is the here is the connection. Someone described to me Peloton as an exercise bike with iPad bolted on it. Yes. Uh, this cart is a cart with an iPad bolted on it. Does it mean that it is going to go the same route as Peloton? Well, I guess time will tell. Yes. My, take on, my take on this is similar to Malona's that 
I mean, the customer experience is going to be a little bit clunky. Uh, we'll put a lot of uh, 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 sort of onus on the customer to deal with this. It is technology. They will have to learn a new device to handle mm -hmm. uh, these kinds of things. Uh, and my view is long term, the solution is something to do with the phone that the customer already has, knows how to use it. Uh, I know of startups that are uh, that are basically mapping out the whole store, providing a view of the inventory and pricing in a single app. So if you can think of you have a phone, it tells you, okay, you tell it what you want to shop. It takes you there, gives you the price. You pick it up. Maybe you scan it with your phone and you're done. You don't need a car to do all of that. Mm -hmm. um, and so... Um, so I think that's a long-term play, but that is a little bit expensive to do at the moment in early right. stages. Maybe this is uh, sort of a stopgap, but again, I I personally have not used it. I would like to see what the customer experience actually looks like. Right, right, for sure. So you're kind of you're kind of a kind of of the mindset like we talked about on the show. Like you you can see this could be like fun to test, but you see it potentially being disintermediated in the long term as solutions that require less consumer adoption come into play say like the systems like a trigo or an iFi like we talked about on last week's show and what do you think though I'm gonna I think I'm gonna spin this in a very unexpected direction but go ahead Ann. all right Dave Steck we need to have a beer I've got uh, Dave's some laughing questions. already through this whole this is what Dave Steck at Schnooks I got some questions for you I have no doubt he will answer Dave first I want to say I trust you I don't understand it, but I trust that you're doing this in the right way. I think they're testing, and Abhinav, you mentioned this, like they are testing this in a couple of different ways. They're not just doing the, you know, the cart reads automatically to see what you're putting in the basket. And uh, it, they're also doing it where the consumer is scanning the product and then putting it in the basket. So I, I like that they're going about this in a, a few different paths to learn as much as they can. But I have two more questions. Are they going to only have caper carts in the store? Is this like a side-by-side A-B test or is it sure just it a is. store with caper tests? Too big of a risk otherwise. Carts, right. Yeah. And if not, are they doing anything about controlled entry and exit? Like how is right. this test going to be controlled? Because I feel like this, even if it was successful, it could get killed. There, Manola brings up other issues of shrink potentially happening as a result. So I, I want to know more about the experiment, Dave. So you owe me a beer at grocery shop. That's what yeah, I have to say. Wow. All God, these are all really great points. I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of blow the doors off this conversation a little bit. So I'm gonna make a very grand claim here, which is that I think this announcement, quite honestly, to the three of you, this cements Schnooks as the most innovative grocer in America, in my opinion. You no look doubt. at been, yeah, I mean, you look at what they've been building over the and this is not a tech flight of fancy. This is not them, you know. I I mean, if I push back on the point of like they're just trying something in tech. They've been doing smart things around tech for a while, mm -hmm. and they've been building the basically a smart return, a smart, smart store that can actually have a good return on investment. That's what they're going for here. You've got ESLs in their store. They've got robots monitoring prices and inventory outs in their store. They're using Eversight to make price changes uh, by way of the relationship with Instacart as well. And so now they're attempting to try to give the customers the just walkout experience with the built-in screen right in front of them, like they said, you know, like you said, Abhinav, for the retail media network to happen, which probably brings incremental revenue. So Dave Stack's probably laughing at me when I say this, but Mazel tov, man. Like you guys are doing a great job. It's the 
the point that why I emphasized what I did with Manola was it's the right way to do this. You're making small yeah. incremental bets to understand the right steps going forward. The trick right. here, though, is unlike those other things I mentioned, Abhinav's dead right. This is the first one that requires the customer to do something different. And that's why I'm not solely bought on, bought in on this being the right solution in the long run. Is it that much better than a self-checkout experience? Is it better than the long run, you know, computer vision assisted just walkout experiences? Those are the questions I have, but you can't learn that unless you do this. And final word. Yes. No, I agree. That so many questions, Dave. We're going to be locking you down. Grocery shop is just a few months away, and I fully expect to get get he's got to sell us on this, Chris. But if anybody can, it's Dave. Yeah, yeah. And I, I emailed him yesterday, but he didn't get surprisingly he didn't get back to me because he probably doesn't want to talk about this yet. But uh we'll catch All up right. at some point. Well, right, let's, let's go. go let's go on to headline number three. So H&M wants to sell more third party products. According to the Wall Street Journal, H&M is, quote, moving further beyond its eponymous clothing label, doubling down on beauty products, housewares and selling products from other brands to draw in more shoppers. And quote, the retailer is opening standalone beauty and home stores, expanding the other handful of chains it owns, including the upmarket brand costs and street fashion label weekday. It's also selling more third-party brands, including Adidas and New Balance sneakers in its stores and online. Uh, Manola, I, I want to go to you first on this one. What do you think here? Are these good moves from H&M or is this like the last ditch effort, the canary in the coal mine that signals maybe some uh, more broad issues happening over at H&M? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a mix, right? Uh, okay. And some some moves make more sense to me than than others. Um, you know, yeah, break it down. They've been doing, you know, on the beauty side, for example, they've been doing beauty as part of their H and M assortment for for several years now, and it kind of you know makes sense if you have people in the in the door, might as well kind of expand on that wallet and how much uh you know different categories spend you can you can get with them. So. Sure. I, I get that. I get the, you know, expanding into um, other brands quite selectively where it makes sense, right? Maybe Adidas sneakers are, are more of an outfit completer than uh, H&M branded sneakers, you know, for, for a lot of people. So I, I track with with that um, gets a little bit outside of the core for me when you get into into home. Right. And I, mm. I think a lot of um, brands and companies kind of jumped on the home bandwagon because the whole, you know, COVID, everyone was stuck at home yeah. and we all bought, you know, way more cushions than we than we needed. But that's, you know, probably going to going to simmer down and taper off um, as well. And then the other thing that I was reading about, which for me drew kind of a question mark, is this idea of them opening kind of freestanding beauty focused stores. Yeah, that movie, you know, we kind of saw that movie with with Forever 21, right? And they're kind of Mm. Riley Rose and and, and that didn't really play out very successfully, right? Because you start losing the brand equity of why people came in the door in the first place, right? So that to me is a little bit, uh, you know, a step too far from from the core. But I I do think there's, you know, value in that, uh, in adding of the marketplace selectively where it complements the the assortment and, you know, kind of gets you the to ring the register versus having them go, you know, across the street and buy the same sneakers from someone else. Right. Um, But yeah, the freestanding beauty might be a bridge too far for me. 
Yeah. I mean, beauty is, you know, this better than any of us. I mean, beauty is a very competitive space. And if you don't have, you know, I think what I'm hearing from you is like, you really have to have that unique point of view, that unique perspective on beauty to really drive consumers there, especially as a standalone store. It's one thing to pick up a nail polish or a lip gloss while you're in an H&M, but when you're really trying to go after that core beauty consumer, you got, you got a lot of competition in that space. Yeah. Abhinav, do anything else you'd throw in there? Uh, Yeah. I think my point of view is there's a lot going on in the things that you just mentioned that they are trying to do. It's it's not one thing. Um, And given the fact that if you look at their earnings over the last, whatever, seven, eight years, they were at this point. Then in the pandemic, they went like this. They are just coming up to the level that they were at four, five, six years ago. I, I think they are getting pushed to sort of drop, give more growth. Like if you did six mm-hmm. years worth of work and you are at the same level that you were six years ago, then what have you spent a bunch of money, where are you at? So I think they're right. trying to drive growth. They're trying trying multiple things. Um, and I'm with, uh, with Manola that it seems a little bit confused to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the beauty for sure, I do agree with all, all that you guys said. Uh, on the third party side, uh, them putting, I mean, more selection means more sales. I mean, that's typically clear. And if you are bringing in brands that are named brands, they are going to draw more traffic in your stores. Um, I mean, I, I think, is the store profitability down? Is that why they are bringing in more brands to drive yeah. more dollar per square foot? So that's why I think you are right. This may be some sign of some trouble, I guess. Yeah. Chris, are you in the same boat? You think that you think H&M's in trouble here? Or you like this move? No, I'm more, I'm more in Manola's camp where I can tell, you know, you know, from I thought I would the thing I was thinking about when she said that was spoken like a true merchant, somebody that understands, you know, this side of the retail business. Because I mean, I can remember back in my target days, I used to I used to get into fights about people that wanted to ride or die solely with their own brands. And my whole thought was like, that's not that's not merchandising. The, I'm a big believer that merchandising is about picking the right products that your customer wants and expects to find with you the most. That can be own brands, it can be third party brands. So to the point, if like if I want a pair of Adidas with my outfit that I'm buying at H and M, then stock the Adidas. Why not? Like it's just a win win all around when you think about it in that way. And it's the job of the merchant to pick the right products and put them in their stores. So that's my main point here. The idea about going after beauty as a standalone store, I think those points are valid. I think, you know, that's an experiment like anything else. You just can't get too far in front of your skis on that before you start to understand how well it's doing for you. But I don't think fundamentally I have an issue with anything in this in this Wall Street Journal article. Yeah, I think the only thing I'd add here is that H&M has such a massive assortment. Like, I think if you are if you're H&M right now and you're really trying to make some progress here economically. Like, I think you got to pare your assortment down a little bit. Fine, bring in Adidas and bring in some other elements. But I think you really have to have a more curated point of view than what you have right now in order to stand apart and to be successful. And the second thing I'd add is like, look at their one of their closest competitors. You have Zara right next door doing the same thing, expanding in home, expanding in beauty, expanding in lingerie and all these categories. And you don't see or hear about any investment from H&M right now in the tech side of things. And we were at the Zara store in Madrid and the the investments they're making in making that shopping experience better, the products easier to find, getting in and out of there, making returns simpler. Like we're not seeing that from H&M. And I think it's time for H&M to also start to look at that side of the business as they're expanding into more stores. But uh, Abhinav, we'll give you the last word here. 
Yeah. So one last point is given the inflation and given where the consumer stands, I'm just surprised that given they are in fast fashion, they are at lower price points. Why are they not growing faster? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right, they, yeah. The macroeconomic conditions should have been lined up for them to do better. Yeah. Right. The other point about this too that we didn't cover is like there's a difference in expanding your assortment in the online space versus the physical space too. And how much of that was discussed in the article is still unclear and where they're planning to lean in on that is unclear too. But all right. In the interest of time, let's keep rolling on. Headline number four, Signet Jewelry is rolling out fine jewelry rental. According to Chain Storage, the program initially piloted this past spring is available through a partnership between Zales and Roxbox, the jewelry rental subscription platform that Signet acquired in 2021. Not a and, box of rocks. Yeah, a possibly rock. my favorite name for a startup ever, <laughs> ever, Ed, Roxbox. The program is available by appointment at 50 Zales stores across the country and meant to be an affordable fine jewelry option for special occasions. There is also an exclusively designed collection for the rental program, which features 36 pieces, consisting of necklaces, earrings, bracelets, and rings, and the jewelry is all fashioned in 10,000 carat, or 10 carat, 10 carat, <laughs> not 10,000, 10 carat, white 10 gold, carat. and hand set with lab-created diamonds. For those interested, this is cool. You can rent items for 14 days for 5% of the purchase price, and then you also have the option to purchase anything you rent by applying the rental fee towards the end purchase. To give you some idea of what we're talking about here, the purchase prices range from $1,000 to $10,000 with rentals starting as low as $50. Abhinav, I'm actually going to go to you on this one first. Bling, bling. Bling, bling. Yeah. Bling, bling goes the trolley. All right. Do you like this move in the fine jewelry space? And what do you think it says more broadly about resale, if anything at all? Yeah, uh, I think it's a good idea to try and test. Um the and they are doing it in 50 stores which is which is great um i think this model has been played out in apparel a lot um you've seen it in multiple places um i think the businesses get to a certain size and then after that it doesn't scale um i mean uh, rent the runway is an example in bridesmaid dresses there were a bunch of them my wife had a startup where she rented bridesmaid dresses um so it definitely has legs uh and but it caps off at a certain limit in the apparel space um uh, in Say this more, space, what do you mean by that like what are the limiting factors limiting factors are uh i think the customers who are looking for this kind of service are limited in the market it's not a a sort of very large market is the way I think about it in apparel. Uh, in 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 jewelry, it may be different because jewelry is more pricey. Uh, mm -hmm. Jewelry has more special occasions where you can go for and look for. So I I am interested to see what the outcome is. Uh, I think it may work. Uh, given given, but again, the thing is, uh, the one thing that I don't like about this experiment is you have to show up in the store. Uh, Interesting. That, 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 that is a friction point. Uh, the, because you then you have to go to the store and you have to go, go through that experience. I, I, I just wonder if uh, you could do eventually with an online experience where you shop for it, it is shipped to you, you use it, you send it back. But um, yeah, that's the only thing that I'm 
uh, a little surprised by, but I like the experiment. Um, and as we said earlier, unless you try, you won't know. Got it. Yeah. No, I like this too. I mean, I, I like the high price point angle to this. I think for me, you know, it gets people potentially into the jewelry buying experience that might not have been in there otherwise, which was kind of yeah. captivating for me, you know, like maybe I go get a pinky ring for 50 bucks yeah. for the weekend or something like that. Oh you know? my but, God, but, that is the know, worst hey, image hey, hey, I could hey, put hey, in hey. my brain. But, I know, but you know, but like, it, you know, it gets you thinking. And I, I imagine there's a lot more people out there that actually want to get jewelry that this affords them the ability to do that. Manola, what do you think here? Anything you'd add? Yeah, I mean, so a, a couple things, right? When I was, I was thinking about this from an operational perspective, it I like jewelry as like a, a rental um, category because I think a lot of the challenges in profitability with um, with apparel were around the you know having to dry clean and kind of get it ready for that next uh, consumer, point. right? People will stain the thing, so and you need to get X number of wares out of something, you know, before it's. Uh, before you turn a profit. But so not as much a problem in jewelry, right? It's lower cost to kind of maintain it. It's a hard metal thing. So it's not going to, you know, hopefully sustain as much uh, damage. So from that point, I get it. I also like it in the sense of, you know, it feels very like a, an Oscars moment, you know, make for yeah. special occasions, you know, yeah. and bar- you know, borrowing these diamonds. Uh, so I get that resonating from a consumer perspective. To me, the big question mark is they're really up against kind of, you know, uh, fashion jewelry and kind of you can get a similar look at a pretty low cost uh, and keep it right versus, you know, the wanting to to will people want to to rent it when it's yes, it's diamonds and it's gold, but they don't get to keep it. So, you know, there there isn't kind of that equity that people perceive in buying fine jewelry. So that yeah. to me is a question mark. Can I get a better, you know, a nice looking fake for cheaper and, and get to keep it or yeah. is the emotional element there? And without the risk of losing it or having the dog eat it and being on the hook for it too. Right. Correct. Another important point too. And why don't you, why don't you have the final word here and then lead us into headline yeah. five. I think this is just really smart. I mean, it makes sense to do it as a test. I think as Avanov mentioned, there's going to be some friction points. What are you actually getting inside the store? And is that collection, because the Zales assortment that's in the store is not the same as the box, rocks, box, <laughs> box of rocks is what I keep calling it as the rocks box assortment. And that, like, I think you, like Manola's saying, like there's already, this is already part of a lot of the other rental services, jewelry as a component. So it, you know, you feel a little less guilty if you lost a $30 pair of earrings versus, you know, a $3,000 pair of earrings. So I think it's worth the test though. Um, all right, let's go into headline number five. So target workers are now permitted to wear shorts. Everybody, According to Business Insider, Target has updated its dress code to allow most store employees to wear shorts to work. Previously, only card attendants and drive-up fulfillment workers were allowed this benefit. But Target now, according to spokesperson Brian Harper Tibaldo, quote, recently expanded that offering to include the majority of store team members and that our current uniform standards ask team members to wear solid color pants, capris, skirts, or shorts in good condition, end quote. Yoga pants and athletic shorts are still not allowed. However, Avanov, yeah, (laughs) Avanov, what in the world would compel Target to do this? And is it a move that you would have advised for your clients? Uh, So what in the world? I think the article has called out that it it has got something to do with the extreme heat that they are facing. In the stores, I think. Uh, Inside an quote- air-conditioned Target store. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That was quoted. 
I I would I would advise it. Uh, I think it's people want it. I think it may. I don't know how big of a deal it is, but it is. It could be used as a draw to attract folks to take on the roles, like to hire people. There's uh, the real issue. Uh, that that is key. But having been on the operation side of stores for a very very long time, yes, I do see. Uh, people interpreting it in all different sorts of ways. Uh, so uniformity from an operational perspective is always good. I think that's why they were going down it. But in this day and age, everyone else is doing it. You got to do it. But yes, they will have to have some, at least they will face some operational challenges initially. Yeah. Making sure everyone interprets it the right way. Right. Uh, but I think well, they will, I mean, they'll get over it. Well, Chris, I have to ask you, you were yeah. of you worked in the stores. Like yeah, I ran Target stores. Free, I mean, they had this more strict red and khaki. Like, was it there an issue then of like uniform conformity issues? Like, how much of a burden is this on the stores teams to be like, sorry, you can't wear that? How much was it? And no, how there, much there will never this was because a, a red shirt and khaki pair of pants is pretty easy to understand. Like, there's right. not there's not much, you know, left to debate on what that is. But I think Tom and I's point, once you get into shorts, it's a it's a different question. But you know, I actually pulled some of my friends in uh tar in Did target you? stores. Yeah, and 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 it was a, a sample size of two, but they were split. One guy loved it. The other guy didn't like it. And I, I, as I sit back, I'm kind of of the opinion, I wouldn't have done this. And okay. I, I don't believe the heat thing because the heat thing is like a three-month time, three right. month period of the year thing and maybe even a month period of the year thing. Whereas, you know, winter, you, if you, I see it'll let people wear shorts in the winter because there's going to be plenty of people that will. I know yeah. I would have if I could. So, um, and the reason I say that too is like, I remember back to my gap days, Anne. Yeah. There's always an issue when companies start to go away from the brand standards that they've held dear for so long. So I can remember at the mm -hmm. Gap when they went away from board folding. And it's a slippery slope to get back. Like the brand standards started to slip. You never went back to that. It's hard to create that experience, get people re-energized around that experience. So I, you know, I I I worried about this. The other part about it too is I feel like these are the decisions that start to happen when you have executives that are leading the company that didn't grow up in the brand or executives that are a little bit less experienced in their roles, which is definitely applicable to Target right now. And they're starting to make decisions that will unwind what has been really decades-long uh, definitions of brand experience for the customer. Yeah. And so that's what I worry about. It's like, what do I go... If I go into the store and I, I'm looking around and like, there's just people in all kinds of different outfits and stuff. Like, I'm not even going to know who's going to help me in a Target yeah. store. Maybe, maybe that doesn't matter in the long run, but I think it does. I totally agree. I mean, they said that they're they're giving you a red vest so that you can ID the target worker. And this, I'm just like, that's not enough for me. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. And Chris, I'm going to get you a t-shirt that has the gap folding board on it with like, bring back the board. Like, you, you should That'd really awesome. want it back. That'd um, be awesome. I'm going to throw in your last, uh, your last comments here. I'll answer uh, Chris's question. Who will help uh, the customers in the store? It is the smart card. Yeah, the smart card, right? Yeah, the mo their own mobile phone. But yeah. Manola, what do you think here? What do you yeah. think? We got to get you in here on this too. What do you think? I mean, listen, I took a deep Reddit, uh, went down the did Reddit. Did you go down the hole? Yes. I did. Oh, I you're did welcome back the... anytime. Anytime you're welcome back. 
<laughs> Thank you. So from what I could see from my, you know, deep study of the Target subreddit, um, it seems like the dress code um, had been slipping, right? So this is, yeah. uh, you know, a lot of people saying like, hey, you know, you're supposed to wear a red shirt, but I see people wearing, you know, things that are not official or like it's pink, looks kind of purple. And that's kind of and mixed on whether, you know, store by store they let it slide or they're more strict on it. So to me, this felt almost like a, you know, kind of it's cats out of the bag. People Mm -hmm. are kind of, you know, not complying with uniform and we're going to basically change the policy to reflect uh, what's happening versus Mm -hmm. kind of trying like, okay, guys, let's bring it back to, to the khakis and red and like really uniform uh, feeling of it. So, you know, is it a slide kind of to, to your point, maybe, right. But it seems like officializing what was, kind of happening under covers, maybe not shorts, but certainly the red shirts were, were seems to be not, not happening <laughs> consistently. Yeah. And there's yeah. no going back. There's no going back. Once you do this, you're not, you can't go back. That's what I don't like about this move. Yeah. yeah. It's a it is. It is. All right. Well, target we're, we're, we're waiting to see what happens here, but man, oh man, I don't know about this. Um, I'm going to take us into the lightning round next. Uh, Question one goes to you, Abhinav. Instacart announced Tuesday that its B2B unit has become the official same-day snack, beverage, and supplies marketplace for Industrious's U.S. co-working spaces. Abhinav, I want to know, when you're at a project at a client's office, what's the best snack that you've seen stocked in a client's kitchen? All right. Uh, The best snack I've had was on this project. at a retailer and the snack mix that i had available to me was milk trail mix beef jerky and fruit loops and the reason <laughs> and the okay. reason i had those was all because together we, yeah all of them were available why because we were in their uh, kitchen helping them reformulate these products for their okay. label brand. Oh. Okay, fair, fair. I was like, Abhinav, your stomach after yeah. that day must have been <laughs> so gurgly. Um, exactly. oh, Two things that don't go together, Fruit Loops and, and beef jerky. And beef jerky, yeah. Oof. All, all right, Manola, next question is for you. Over 100 people were recently trapped, literally trapped during a tour of Agatha Christie's home. They were trapped inside of her house. What is the most haunting experience in your life in which fiction mirrored real life? I mean, listen, to be honest, when I hear that, all I can think is 100 people in a house. Like, what? What? What is this house? It's like a murder mystery come to life. You know? It's crazy. Yeah, that is against fire code, I feel. I mean, I don't know how big this house is, but... I mean, it must be quite massive, right? Yeah, so it's big, it's that amazing, to me is yeah. like all my my brain was like, wait, a hundred people? Does he mean ten? Like, what is going on uh, in Agatha's uh, home? Quite the mansion. Uh, listen, I I don't have like a, a great answer. I, I live in New York, so I have a lot of like stranger than than fiction moments. <laughs> Every day is a living nightmare. Yeah, I got every it. day yeah, can right. be you know <laughs> stranger than fiction for sure. So, uh, but yeah, I don't know. More more impressed with the the size of the real estate there than than anything else. Ugh. All right, Manola, we're going to go back to you for number three. According to research done by the Business of Fashion, vintage Gap products are commanding higher price points than current Gap products. Which would you prefer, a vintage Gap item or a current one? 
you know, I'm literally uh, guilty of this. You know, I, I did spend an enormous amount of time in the recent weeks uh, looking through eBay for a vintage men's uh, denim jacket from from Gap. Oh, which no way. Happy, happy to report I've, I've secured, but uh, it's the cut. You know, it, it has that. It's the nostalgia of, I guess, the Y2K 90s uh, aesthetic, yeah. which is not as available in, in the new product that that's right. coming out. So I jumped on the Gen Z bandwagon of uh, nostalgia and just, you know, uh, I bought one. So And it certainly wasn't board folded, right, Chris? No, most likely not at that point in time. Definitely not, Anne. Thanks for that slag, but well-deserved, <laughs> well-deserved. And also the styling from my youth. So I'm very proud to hear that Manola wanted the denim jacket. I think I owned one or two of those. All right, last one. Restaurant chain Taco John said this past Tuesday, it is giving up. It's fight in defending its trademark on the phrase Taco Tuesday. Abhinav, how do you like your tacos? Soft or hard shelled? Soft. Soft shelled. Soft. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Oh, man. I totally disagree with that one. But all right. Both. Happy birthday today to Carlos Santana, Omar Epps, and to the man who had one of the tastiest burgers in movie history, the Big Kahuna Burger, Frank Whaley. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it on me talk. The only retail media outlet run by two former executives from a current top 10 U.S. retailer. Our Fast Live podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us. And we do it all just for you. And we try really hard to make it fit within the preview pane of your inboxes. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks, as always, for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And Abhinav and Manola, if people want to get in touch with you, pick the brains of all you great consultants at the AM Consumer and Retail Group, what's the best way for them to do that? You can find us at alvarezandmarsal-crg.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Abhinav Search for Abhinav Chandra. Manola? You can find me at uh, msolar at alvarezandmarcel.com. Awesome. Well, until next time, until next month, when the fabulous AM Retail Consumer Group returns for their regularly scheduled monthly appearance on behalf of them and all of us here at OmniTalk Retail, as always, be careful out there. The OmniTalk Fast Five is brought to you in association with the AM Consumer Retail Group. The AM Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Firework. Firework is the largest video commerce solution built for the world's leading brands. They empower brands with shoppable and live stream video on their own websites where people like to shop. Put your commerce in motion with Firework. Find out more at firework.com. And SPS Commerce. SPS Commerce is redefining how businesses across the supply chain operate in an omnichannel world. Their experts, tech, and data work together to fuel your growth and deliver for your customers. To find out more, head to spscommerce.com. And finally, Sezzle. Sezzle is an innovative buy now, pay later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four interest-free payments over six weeks. To learn more, visit Sezzle.com.